Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing? It's good to see you this morning. Uh, We're going through this exciting series called Love Revolution. And um, as we've been going through each step of this series, I've been challenged um, to, to love in the ways that we've that the Bible says, that the Bible shows us how to love our, our wives, our friends, our children. And, and, and so we see that um, God is calling us to this great love. He's calling us to this greater love. And church, I absolutely believe that if we were to love in the way that the Bible calls us to love, that we would see revival, that there wouldn't be enough space there wouldn't be enough churches in Doylestown, Pennsylvania to contain all the people who would come rushing to say, I want to know this Jesus if we were to love the way that he calls us to. And so we've been going through some, some pretty exciting passages, especially in the last few weeks. But today we kind of land on friends, friendship, what it looks like to love our friends. Now, I don't know what you think about when you think of friends, but, but I think about this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, um, how, how much of that video are they going to play? It's like, a weird, it's like weird, you know, do we dance? Do you show people that you clap uh, when they clap? But um, Friends was a popular TV show if you're raised in a conservative Christian home. This was a show in the 90s uh, that was very popular. But, um, but... When we think about this show, right, we think about Rachel, Chandler, Monica, Phoebe, Ross, and Joey, right, hanging out. These six friends, right, who have a couch by a fountain and colorful umbrellas. And we want that too. But the reality is that we come and face the fact that we don't have five friends. (laughs) At the last time that we had five friends was sixth grade. And so... So we want that, but the reason why the show was so popular was it hit the human heart condition that we all have. We want companionship. We want friendship. We want to be known. And in 2004, as Friends wrapped up, another friendship phenomenon started, and that was Facebook. And Facebook gave us the opportunity not only to watch Friends on a TV screen, but to actually have friends. And it had a good start, reconnecting with people that you last saw 20 years ago. It was beautiful. And then it slowly turned into a, a barrage of, of uh, Farmville and pokes from your grandma, you right? <laughs> and then now it's morphed into something else. But those friends aren't your friends. It's now cute babies, wedding pictures, but it's also a cesspool of offended people offending other people who've already been offended by something offensive. And it's always, and and that's what's formed, but the reality is that we have never before, ever in history, been able to connect with as many people as we can connect to today, but we feel unknown. We're still lonely. And so we see that interaction was never the problem of the human heart condition. It wasn't having more friends. It was just having intimate ones. Intimacy was what was lacking. Proverbs 18.24 says this, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It's talking about deep rather than wide. Being known and intimacy. And Jesus is that friend who sticks closer than a brother. As Tracy was praying. So today we'll jump in. John chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, we're going to start reading in verse 12. And it says this, my, my command is this, 
Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we ask that you speak to us this morning through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we look at this and we realize that, like I said earlier on, that we have this human heart condition that longs to have friends. Now, not everyone, but most of us have this, this need to have friends. And, and, and children, if you're listening in a dark time during social media, there was a thing called MySpace. But MySpace always guaranteed that you had at least one friend. Does anyone know who that one friend was? Tom. Tom was your first friend because we all need friends. And when we're looking at this passage of scripture, we find that this is the example of the first friends in a church. This is it. This is what friendship looks like in the setting that we're in right now. When we look at what Jesus was modeling for his disciples. There's this bakery in San Francisco. It's called the Bodine Bakery. And and, um, it's famous, right? San Francisco is famous for its sourdough bread just because of the environmental conditions that create this bacteria that makes the sourdough bread amazing. But the Bodine Bakery is famous because they use the mother dough, the mother dough from 200 years ago. Like they're still using that. That's their secret ingredient. And they, and they keep it in this place. They store it in this place. And if they lose that, they say, we might as well shut down because this is why we're famous. And so from that original dough from 200 years ago, they make multiple loaves of bread. And church, this is the mother dough of friendship. This is it. Our relationships in church, our friendships in church, our friendships with the world, our friendships with people who are close and far, who are far from Jesus, who are close to Jesus. This is the mother dough. And this is where we all get that, that, that DNA from. And so we find as we look at this book, the book of John, John, the book that is written by Jesus' self-proclaimed BFF. So much so that John doesn't even refer to himself as John, but he calls himself the one whom Jesus loved. Can you imagine that? I don't know if any of you walk around like that, but we should, right? Say, hi, hi my name is... Rob, the one whom Jesus loves. John says, I know about friendship with Jesus because guess what? I have a friendship with him. I know about the love of God because I've walked with him and I'm loved by him. And I'm secure in that and I know that. And so we find that he takes us through this journey where he lands at the heart of Jesus and he lands at the heart of Jesus for friendship in this. When we look at this passage of scripture, we find that there are certain characteristics of a friendship that Jesus is asking his disciples to have and to pass on. Verse 12 starts with, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And we find in verse 14 that Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. We find that reciprocity is something that has to be a part of a friendship. It's something that has to be a part of loving friends. And it goes both ways, that it's back and forth. 
Jesus is giving them this command. And he's saying, this command is to love each other, and you are my friends if you obey that command. And so you see what Jesus is saying here is not that obedience is what makes them his friends, but he's saying a characteristic of my friends is obedience. And so friends, if you're in this church, if we were to develop good friendships, real friendships, deep friendships in this place, we'll find that reciprocation is a characteristic that we should have. No, church, the real deal is we all have that one friend. In fact, maybe two, maybe more. Now, whenever they call, they only call when they need something, right? If you own a truck, you have experienced this a lot. You know your phone rings and you know what they're going to say. Hey, buddy, it's been three years. I'm moving. (laughs) And you know that's why they want you. And if you have Philly season tickets, you've probably been getting a few calls this last week from people who you haven't heard from from three years ago. But the reality is that you know the call. You recognize it. They only call when they want something. But that's not friendship, church. Always giving. Always pouring. Have friendship means that if you're being poured into, you need to pour. You also need to pour. You need to give back. You also need to be a friend to the friends that are around you. Now we find that whenever we give, 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 we can't call that a friendship church. That's a non-profit. And at least with a non-profit, you get a tax-deductible receipt. And in friendships church, we can't just be pouring. And Jesus shows us that a lack of reciprocity is not a good foundation for friendship. In fact, a lack of reciprocity in friendship leads to a lot of hurts, even in the church. And if I can be real, because we keep it real here at Covenant Church, if I can be real, some people, their hurts of a lack of reciprocity in their friendship and relationship come from the church. Whenever the church rings, they want something from me. It's not encouragement. And so church, we have to do a better job as the church to go, hey, sometimes a call is just a call that says, hey, we haven't seen you around for a while. We're praying for you. We love your family. And so we find that that is a good sign, a good mark of friendship. I know that there are people in this room, if you're being real, because loneliness, feeling invisible, and we've all been in places like that, but some of us are actually struggling with that. And we feel invisible, feel unknown, feel unseen. No one pursues us. We can stand in a room and be ignored the whole night, and that's not a, that's not a good thing. That leads to brokenness. That leads to brokenness. And so we feel that pain, but oftentimes when people come with that hurt, sometimes you ask the question, have you also tried to pursue? And you find that that's also not present. And I was challenged by this quote that I was reading this week, and it says, you don't have the friends you want because you're not willing to be that friend yourself. Church, we also have to invest. We also have to pursue. We find that Jesus, in all of this, He modeled this so well for his disciples, so much that he would say, I am the example for how you ought to love other people. We find that Jesus calls them to go so far as laying down their lives for one another, going the distance. I'll say that love in friendships should go the distance, church, should go a long way 
we should be invested. You know, Jesus would say something like this, and this strikes me, and it's very hard for us to read this, but verse 13 says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. He says, greater love. Church, I don't know about you, but when you think of great love stories, I don't know if you think of friendships. When you think of great love stories, I do not think you think of Talladega Nights or, or Dodgeball. I don't think so. I think we think Romeo and Juliet, right? We think of, of Ghost, even though it's a little bit of a weird flex. But we think of, of those movies. We think of Titanic. Because our hearts are conditioned to only see great love as romantic love, not friendship. We even find that in great, in great movies about friendship, like, like The Lord of the Rings, that they have to insert a love story into the movie that was only in the appendices of the book. Because we can't just watch 29 hours of friends going to take a ring into a, into a valley. There's got to be a love story that is great to us. C.S. Lewis would say this, Our hearts are conditioned that way because there is nothing throaty about friendship. Nothing quickens the pulse or turns you red and pale. In my case, it never turns me red and pale. But the reality is there's there's nothing that does that about friendship. Friendship doesn't do that. But Jesus here models this. He says, greater love. Greater love has, has, has no man than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus models this. So church, we find that we're struggling to find a way to lay down our lives. And I know some of you would, would object to that. I know some of us in this room would say, I would die for my friends, but I just can't text them right now. We can't respond to a text message. And yeah, the Bible's asking us to lay down our lives for our friends. Because church, if we're real, there's that, there's that phone call that we get when we know someone needs something, but there's also that phone call that we know if we call that number, they will never pick up. And church, I'm preaching to myself. My friends would say that I'm that guy, the one that never picks up. And I would tell them, hey, you know, the best time to call me is to text. But the reality is I am guilty of these things myself. And so I find that as I try and explain, and as you would explain as well, that it's not because you're ignoring your friends. It's not because you ignore your friends. It's, it's because life happens. Life is full. And church, are there any coffee drinkers in here? Right? There we go. It's a thing. It's a ministry here, Covenant Church, coffee. But the reality is when you, when you order coffee, right, they ask you this question. Do you have room for cream? Do you want room for cream? And I believe that our lives are like the coffee and our friendships and relationships are like the cream. And church, our lives are full to the brim. There is no room for cream in your life. There's no room for relationships. There's no room for you being able to lay down your life for your friends. And to be honest, if you were to add cream to your life right now, it would spill over and be messy. But I would also say this. Rather than not have the mess and no relationships, have the mess with relationships. The encouragement, church, is that Jesus made room for the disciples. He asked them to make room for others. As I have loved you, make room for others as well. 
Church, it's messy. I love Bob's blog from this last week. As Bob shared, he's like, life is messy. But we enter into the mess as a community, together. And church, another thing that I find that we have that hinders us from laying down our lives for our friends is this. Churches can be clicky places. We have clicky friendships. We have clicky relationships. We're full. Our friendship circle is full. And I know some of you are social butterflies, so you don't struggle with friendships. But the, the, the door is closed on your friendship. The door is shut. There's no room for more friends. I find, church, that we can't be a church of clicky friendships that has no room on the couch for a new friend. We can't be friends with everyone, but there's got to be room for community. Church, I believe there are two things that you should find here. If you're new, test us on this, that we introduce you to Jesus and that you'll find community here. Those two things have to be a characteristic of a church. And you go on any website of a church that has that, you know that video on the landing page, you find that there's a slow motion band playing worship, and then you find they zoom in at the lobby and people are high-fiving each other and passing cups of coffee to each other until you go to that church. And you're like, man, there are no high-fives in the lobby. Almost like it's some spiritual fire festival, false advertising. And the reality is, church, we have got to be a place where we're saying, hey, you know what you'll find here? Jesus and community. We're not sure about everything else, but Jesus and community. There's room for you. There's space for you. Because Jesus models that for us. He shows us that. And so, church, I was reading up on the epidemic of loneliness. It's an epidemic. There are lonely people. There are people in this room today, and you're lonely. Sorry about that. And I'll speak to that church honestly. Uh, there was this research that's been done that's like loneliness is, is an epidemic. It's, it's in some cases as bad as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. The effects that it has on your physical health. And so there are lonely people sitting in these rows Church, that's why we have that moment at the beginning of church. And I know we, some of us find it awkward where you turn around and say hello to the people next to you. But the truth is we never would. If we were just left to ourselves, we probably would sit next to the same person week in, week out, 52 weekends and never ask them their name and never ask if they have kids and never ask whether or not they, 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 they like football or where they're from. We never ask that. That's such an important part of being in church. And so we need to make room for people. And it says, there's no greater love than laying down one's life for one's friends. Sometimes we think that's such a lofty thing. We look at the story in the Bible of the friends that made a, an opening in the, in the roof and then they lowered their friend down at Jesus' feet and we go, that's what real friendship looks like. That's what laying down your life looks like. But church, laying down your life for your friends is not, is not giving your friend a $10,000 loan. It's not, it's not only driving your friend to Penn State and back. It's not only giving your friend an organ. Church, <laughs> much appreciated, but that's not, that's not all it is. That's not all it is. To be honest, laying down one's life may be 
just making that small adjustment in your life to make room for someone else. You know, church, I'm glad Lindsay is here because sometimes, you know, I, I kind of feel like I'm a part of this, you know, like I'm from, I'm from Doylestown, you know what I mean? And I say that to some people, I'm from Doylestown. And I'm like, no, I'm not from Doylestown. But the reality is sometimes I feel like I'm from here and sometimes I absolutely do not. I did days where I wake up and sometimes I'm like, man, whether it's the snow and then the ice and then it, and then it got dark at 4.30, I'm like, what is this wizardry? Like, I'm like, what happened, right? And some days I don't feel a part of this place. And to be honest, there was a particular day that I felt like this. Now, this has only happened one other time. There's there's a staff member here at church who tries very hard to learn how to speak my language. But only one other time has this happened. I walked up to to Starbucks and and the barista, I walked to the barista, walked up to him and and he heard my accent and he said, Shalom, right? And I was like, no, not Shalom. There's two of us, surprise. And (laughs) not here too. This can't be happening everywhere. Um... (laughs) So now we go to different Starbucks. But he, 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 he said, hey, listen, I can't quite put my finger on your accent. You, you don't sound like you're from around here. And then he asked me, is English your first language? And I said, I said no, English is not my first language. He's like, so, so how do I say hello to you? How do I say good morning to you in, in your language? A- a- and then he took out a pen and a pad and he wrote it down. And he says, hey, wait, wait, how do I say thank you in your language? And I told him. I'm not going to tell you because last night people just started shouting it in the lobby and it didn't sound like what I said up here. He's <laughs> like, are they Russian or <laughs> are they trying to say what I'm saying? But he wrote it down. And church, to be honest, I was skeptical, right? Because Starbucks, I was skeptical. I thought maybe they had some conference where they were like, hey, African people not buying our coffees. And they're like, so <laughs> be extra nice. All right, on three, break. You know, <laughs> go and change the world. But he wrote it down. He wrote it down. And it was on one particular day, church, where I felt like I didn't belong here. Where everything around me just made, made it obvious, you're not from here. And I walked into this crowded Starbucks. And it was crowded, it was packed. And this guy at the top of his voice, he looks and he sees me walking, he stops what he's doing and he says, Mangwanani. And all, everything inside of my heart that was down, everything that was like, sad, everything that said you do not belong here, guess what, in that, morning, in that moment, God used someone to go, hey, I see you, I know you, I care. And I'm going to speak to you in a language that you can understand, first language. And I love this church because I share this with my wife and we just start weeping. Because for you it may not mean anything. To me, it meant everything. Nelson Mandela has a quote that says, speak to a man in a language he understands, you speak to his head. But if you speak to him in his his language, you speak to his heart. In that moment, those two words spoke to my heart. Someone who just made a little room, someone who laid down his life by intentionally saying, I'm going to have a pad in my pocket and a pen. And every time I meet someone who looks like they're not from here, who may not feel welcome here, I'm going to ask them how to speak to them in their language. And that spoke volumes. Church, laying down our lives is being faithful with the small intentional things in this community. It's actually listening to someone's name so that you don't call them champ when they come to small group. It's actually making room. It's actually remembering that they have two kids. It's actually remembering. It's taking an interest and laying yourself down 
And so we find that. And we see here that Jesus says something else that's revolutionary. Jesus says in verse 14, in verse 14 and 15, he says, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Church, Jesus says, friends let each other into their business. Like friends let each other know the deep things, their hopes, their aspirations, the things of their heart, the things that are hidden, the things that you may not see on the surface. Friendship goes beyond knowing people's names, but actually knowing people. Hey, friendship maybe might start with the hello when you turn to your neighbor next to you and say hi, but it should go beyond that. Just knowing your name is not knowing your business. And so church, we find that Jesus lets them in on this. Jesus, he gives them the greatest invitation. Can you imagine the disciples listening to this? Jesus goes, I'm gonna let you know some facts. I'm gonna let you know some amazing things. Everything that the Father has made known to me, I'm gonna make known to you. How cool is that? How amazing is that? Church, I love how Jesus models how to walk with one another. I love how Jesus models what it looks like to root for, for another's success. I know, I love how Jesus, how Jesus shows us what it looks like to give people something that they don't deserve. I love that. He's giving it away freely. And church, to be honest, the reason we don't share our hearts and we don't share our successes and we don't share the things that, that give us victory because we, we're threatened by other people's success as well. We're not great cheerleaders of our friends. And to be honest, if you've ever watched Mean Girls, there's a little Regina George in everyone's heart. We're all there going, you can't have what I, what, I, what I once had. You can't have what I have. You can't be at the same level as me. Yet the gospel and loving friendships modeled by Jesus says that I am going to let you know how to be successful. Hey, if there's a door open for me, hey, guess what? I'm, I, I might even say, hey, listen, is there room for one more? But oftentimes, church, we're, we're threatened by other people having what we have. Jealousy and envy, even in friendships. And there's no space and no place for that, not in loving friendships. Oftentimes, church, we should want other people's success at times even more than our own. We find that Jesus models this for us. And we also find that Jesus shows us something else in this. Jesus shows us that, that, that even in letting people into your business, you also need to let people like into your life so that they know what you're actually up to. So that they can actually call you out on the things that, that, that are not seen by everyone else. I'll tell you, church, one of the hard things about ministry is you find people who look like they're in community, on Instagram and Facebook, looks like they have tons of friends. You find every picture, every post, hey, me and my mates. Life is crumbling behind the posts. And all of a sudden, it blows up. And you're like, didn't anyone know that you were doing this? How could you have had people around you and no one know that this is how deep you were in that sin? How could you have so many people around you and not let them know that this is actually what's happening in my life? And church, sometimes it's even scarier. People actually know and don't say anything. 
We have friends that we hang out with. Girls night out. And the symptoms of sin start to, start to flare up. Why are you flirting with the waiter? Hey, is there something else that's going on beyond that? But we don't even ask. And we believe that is loving. And I'll tell you, church, that is not a loving friend. Guys, night out. The symptoms start to show. And we don't call it out because we believe we're loving or it's just not my business. But I tell you, church, friends tell the truth and love and they know your business and they get in your business. They're like, if we're friends, we're going to be real. How are you doing in this area? Hey, I notice, just like over time, you and your wife just seem to be drifting. Hey, I notice that you don't look, you don't look happy at all. I notice you haven't, been a, you haven't been at church for the last three weeks, the last month, the last three months. Hey, friends, get in there. And church, another thing is friends give each other permission to get in that space. Sometimes people don't just get in there. In church, we see this. It's right here in front of us. Jesus gets in his disciples' business. Jesus offended everyone, church. Everyone. Everyone. If you come to church, welcome to a place that you may, in fact, in the car park, I don't know if we can change that, Rob, but we can have something that's like, hey, listen, you may be offended here. <laughs> and in small print, say, even before you walk in the building. <laughs> Church, this is the, the gospel is offensive. And that's how Jesus loves us. <laughs> he says, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. And he says, I didn't write this so that this fits into your ideals and your beliefs. No, you fit into this. And so it becomes offensive, church. And like I said, church, we live in this space where I think we, we don't even want rebuke. We don't even want truth because we're so ready to be offended. And yet when we grow, we grow that way. When we're challenged, when we're moved in that direction. And then we find here the most phenomenal thing that you could read in verse 16. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Hey guys, here's the good news. The most amazing news you're ever going to hear. The news that we might not get 2,000 2, years later that the disciples absolutely were probably blown away by. Jesus says, I chose you to be my friends. Can you imagine, all through the Old Testament, to my knowledge, only Abraham was a friend to God. Only one guy. The disciples hearing this for the first time were like, did that just happen? Did Jesus just say, we are now in the, in the same group as Father Abraham. Guy who had many sons, right arm, left arm, right leg, left leg, that dude. That's where we are. And he says, I chose you. How our church, Proverbs will tell us to choose our friends wisely. We have a choice, church. I don't know who's in your squad. I don't know what squad goals you have. I don't know who walks with you. I don't know who knows you. But you choose the people who end up being around you. And I tell you that those people play a big part. Those people are either going to lead you closer to this friend who sticks closer than a brother or they're going to lead you further away from him. But we choose. 
that we choose who we let into our lives. And church, let's be honest for a while. Facebook is not real life. Instagram is not real life either. Those people aren't actually your friends, right? So you have real friends to choose. And those people are flesh and blood and they might be in, in and amongst us. And here's, here's the thing, here's the news. Church, we choose these friends. We have to choose them. And you know, in the Bible, it says that Jesus was a friend of sinners, right? It says that. And some friends, you choose them because you're like, hey, listen, I'm going to be your friend. I'm going to love you so much that one day, you know what? We're going to walk together and I'm going to show you the Savior that, that saved my life, transformed my life. I'm going to be your friend and I'm going I'm, I'm to be there for you. I, I am going to be every friend song that has ever been written for you so that you and I can walk together so that I can lead you to the greatest gift that I could ever show you. Church. This is not to make you feel guilty or shameful. But at some point in your friendships, maybe you're low-key following Jesus and you're like, you know what, little by little, I'm going to show that I don't want to offend them. But if you believe in Jesus Christ and you believe that he is the hope of the world and he's changed your life, at some point, church, you're leading those friends to him. Church, were chosen by Jesus to be his friends, to be in relationship with him. And I know Jesus is every one of these things. He is the one who loves you unconditionally. He's the one who pursues you. He's the core that will always be, he will always pick up. He is the one who is going to, who is never going to leave you nor forsake you. He's the one who sticks close when everyone leaves, guys. Jesus goes, I'm still here. I'm never leaving or forsaking. He is that friend. I don't know if you're in this room and maybe you're in that category of people that is suffering from loneliness. You're one of those people that look like you have it all together on the outside, but on the inside, you're dying. Uh, this morning, my encouragement to you is this. Allow yourself to be known. Take that first step of vulnerability and say, hey, listen, I'm that guy. I'm that girl. I want to be known. I want to grow. I want to be real. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for that great invitation to be your friends. I thank you, Lord, that even as, I, even as I was speaking, Lord, even as we were reading, even as we were worshiping, Lord, that there were so many broken hearts that were being healed, Lord. Healed from, from, from past hurts, Lord. Healed from toxic friendships, Lord, that, that wounded, Lord, that, that left us uh, on the ground, not being able to trust again, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would make yourself known to those that have never had your friendship, never seen you, and don't know what it's like to be a friend of God. I pray, Lord, that you would heal those parts of, the, of people's hearts that, that are lonely, that are desperate, desperate for community, Lord. Meet them today, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.